Welcome to Vaguely Music. This is our very first episode of the brand new podcast. Well, it's not a brand new podcast, but welcome to season two of Vaguely Music. We're back with our shenanigans again, and um, we're very excited to bring you a whole new season of uh, guests who are coming through to share their various musical experiences, but we thought it appropriate to kick off this time round with just myself. That's it. And <laughs> <Nobody>. Ryan. <laughs> no, nobody else. No, I'm just, I'm just using two different voices, actually. They yeah, this is uh, this has been great. We spent the summer finishing up the program, uh, opening up some brand new avenues, which we're excited to to go after, and we got a whole new uh, batch of content, which will be great. And we feel pretty refreshed, ready to talk your ear off about everything music, which I think is a nice, appropriate interlude into today's topic. We're actually talking about the role of uh, essentially noise versus silence, right? So. Music is the combination and life is a combination of something being there, something not being there for however long, right? And uh, so I think we talk a lot about um, the the music aspect, what you hear the music itself do, but we overlook, and I think often students overlook, the role of silence in music and the role that it plays in facilitating the overall um motion and end product of whatever a piece or even if you think of like a concert in the grand scheme of things the role that a build and a drop can have and you can't have a build without either the pre-quiet or the cut of silence later on so um that's kind of what we're bringing to you today yeah this is is very interesting kelsey came in with this topic about 15 minutes ago and it's kind of relevant i was just watching something about a, a great series that i like somebody who's breaking down the patience inside it everybody goes to these big dramatic moments at the end of the arc but the reason that these moments work is all of the patience that it took building up to that moment so it's not unlike that in music that i think a lot, if you go in and you were listening to your favorite song you would miss it if you just skip to the big ending uh, something like Bohemian Rhapsody or or Stairway, all of like these quiet moments. And, and if you want to talk about negative space, the fact that the drums don't play anything, that's silence yeah. right there. Uh, that If you just skip ahead, you're like, uh, this doesn't give me that same feeling. Yeah. Well, and so there's, in my own experience, there's um, certain songs that I, that I really love for that reason, right? Where... Um, and they're all songs that build in that way. And the beginning is always very sparse. And it, like you said, it's not the same, even though it's the end of the song that gives you sort of that catharsis of like, ah, the emotional release that's come at the end of this musical journey. It's not the same just getting to that point. And there, I, I feel like there's albums that are like that too for me, just uh, because I've gotten to know the ebb and flow of the album so well that... I need the build for the ones that have been set up to be a little bit more conceptual, mm -hmm. that build from beginning to end. Um, it's not the same when you chime in halfway through the album anymore. It's it's sometimes a little bit bigger to be able to start at the beginning. Actually, the I ha oh my gosh, I blank on the name of the album, but it's, it's by Poe. And she builds um, a whole conversation with her father through the album mm -hmm. so that 
um, each time she has this sort of musical build through, it will transform and will either cut into something that's very full and noisy and it's these old recordings of her father interspersed in between that either are very full with a lot of um you know atmospheric synth and this and that but then at the end of the album it cuts to something that's just his voice and her voice in conversation and it's very powerful powerful because of that absence of what has up to that point been so full you know what i mean and it's not the same if you just jump to that moment in time. It's like you need to go through all the other stuff to get to that. So that relationship between, I think, you know, between having the build and then having the silence is what makes that that whole album so impressive. Yeah, and I think this is something that conceptually there's not a lot of people other than you know some of my <laughs> some of my favorite '80s shredders. One of them, Ingve Malmsteen. Uh, He's way over the top all the time. He's like, what does that mean? Less is more. More is more. How could less be more? <laughs> yeah. uh, which, uh, uh, like a very fundamental uh, like level. Yes, but it, it's the concept of, uh, I think, you, know, you, can, you could align space and noise with many different uh, analogies of tension and release mm-hmm. is, is very similar. Patience, right? All of these things. Uh, for me, one of the things that jumps to mind is... Um, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. You go through all of these killer psychedelic songs, and though it's not so much a concept album where you're following a character that kind of gets disappeared by the second song. They were like, yeah, we're going to do this, and then they were like, yeah, we just you know, wrote some songs. You get to A Day in the Life, and A Day in the Life starts out with just this really quiet guitar, and after all of this nonsense that's played you know, with... These songs trying to replicate the circus and trying to replicate um, commercials from British TV with Good Morning. And you have these big lush of string arrangements to just have it just, you know, start with just this raw acoustic guitar and then just a dry piano kind of resets everything. There is this level of patience and everybody really believes in that. The tough thing becomes when you have your instrument in your hand. Or you have a microphone in your hand. Everybody believes in patience until it's their until time. It's time. Yeah, you know what makes me think of it? Um, and part of the reason this popped into my head as something to talk about is uh, when we were teaching the summer rock. Um, and I think this is actually directly relatable and applicable to people who who tend to like the... Uh, the Panic at the Discos, Fall Out Boys, all those bands, those bands especially as they've gotten into the mode of being more in electronic music incorporated, mm-hmm. they create these moments that are hard silence in the middle of an otherwise anthem rock electro pop song. <laughs> and it's a beat sometimes, only a beat of silence. Um, but it's because of studio magic, profoundly silent. Yep. It's like yeah, yeah, they yeah. don't allow for any bleed through. And those moments are actually very cool. And they've, they very much can make or break a song. Um, and so we have students that will then try to cover those songs and play right through and don't understand why the song doesn't feel like it ever makes that, uh, that final leap to the big chorus or the big uh, solo or bridge or whatnot, whatever, wherever it happens to fall. And um, that it, trying to get them to hear how it's that moment where nothing happens and how to possibly create that live when you're in a situation where you have 
so much cymbal bleed and so much guitar hum and so much just noise on stage with you. Yeah. How close can you get yourself to that moment where there is nothing? And, and let that moment, even if it's just a beat, be valid because that's what's going to make everything that comes after that much stronger. Um, and yeah, I feel like if you go and listen to those bands, you'll start hearing that all the time now because they, they stick it in all over the place. And sometimes it's like a full measure. And then sometimes it's just a moment right before everything else kicks in. But hard to get them to understand that because, as you say, once they get the instrument in their hands, they're like, well, this is the big moment. So I'm going to riff right through it or I'm going to sustain this note right through or um, this drum fill is going to lead in right through and I'm going to land right on the one of the next part because that's the first beat of this big section. And what they end up doing is undermining the bigness of that section because they haven't allowed it to breathe. Well, this is, is kind of a, applies to this bigger concept of music that I feel like I've been teaching over the past couple of months, which is that music is like, the answer is usually way more obvious than you ever think in music. It's not usually the most complex answer. That doesn't mean complex is bad or anything like that. But it's usually when you're like, hey, what's the key of this? Why? Because it's this. Exactly. Like, there's a lot of really obvious answers. And I don't, you know, it's definitely more apparent when you're younger. But I also think there is something fundamentally where people play a lot more when they're younger. They'll mm -hmm. take chances. So uh, you don't even think about pausing there because you're like, why? I've done all these things. And it's like the, the most obvious answer is is like usually the one to go to on those. Where it's like you you do you play a whole bunch, you try these crazy fills, or you try this guitar line, or you you try these dense harmonies, or this big arrangement coming in, and then it's like, hold on, what if we just stopped here? And then you do it, and you're like, oh, that was so obvious, and it usually yeah, which feels of course, good. Yeah, it does. Well, I mean, sometimes it feels frustrating because I feel like you spend the whole time leading right. up to it trying so many things. You're like, why didn't I just start here? <laughs> <laughs> and I think there is something too when you're working and you're you're trying as a musician to get better at your craft. <clears throat> a lot of times you can get better at tangible things. So how do you sound? Like how can you play this? How creative are you? These are all tangible things. It's it's a little tough to let go of all of those things. Right. Especially when you're like I'm not sure if it serves the purpose too. Well, and I think also especially in a live situation when you are, um, I would say we see it. I tell me if you agree with this. As I stumble through this sentence, I'm ready to not agree for the sake of it. <laughs> but I'm working so hard to actually spit it out. Um, <laughs> I feel like in rehearsals, I'm more inclined to see students give space and let songs breathe and let those silent moments sit than when they actually perform live. I actually f have seen that they tend to rush through more. Like if they're going to rush the tempo and drop a beat, that will be there and not out of, and th some of these are skilled students. So it's not, it's not a sense of like, I just don't know what I'm doing. It's actually a sense of discomfort. Like this is a lot of empty space and, you know, think of how most people are in conversation, which is they don't like to let the conversation just sit it's uncomfortable to them so when you're on stage essentially it's the conversation between you as the performer and the audience and so to just have it sit in silence that can be very very uncomfortable from what I've picked up for students so they either 
fill it awkwardly by talking or doing something or they tend to rush through it and rush into the next thing that comes after. Um, yeah, I mean, I somewhat agree. The part I would disagree with is I would get rid of students. There have been full-time bands that I've been in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the, this, is, this is something that's, I think, is more apparent with people who are younger because a lot of things are newer to them. Uh, the adrenaline rush, the, the technical ability, the genre, you know? You know who you don't see it as much with is singer-songwriters. I find that they tend to live a little bit more comfortably in the space of their songs. And I don't know um, if that's just a stronger connection to maybe because a lot of times they are doing their own songs. But I feel like I see even like when they do covers of other singer-songwriters, they let the songs breathe more so than people in other styles yeah i think inherently there is something to the singer songwriter storytelling nature that you are telling the story right. and you do know you can is for positive and for negative when you're up on stage with a band you are feeding off what your other bandmates are yes doing and so if one bandmate is vulnerable and you do not have somebody who is uh, compensating for that feeding that making them comfortable the whole band will it's like very similar to having one Tire low on air. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there is something to the singer-songwriter. I think it's also blatantly obvious when this when this singer-songwriter is speeding up and rushing through moments that like it it's something that you it's almost harder to do. What you hear more of a lot is Well, is, it makes less sense, right. I think. Because I feel like they're so inherently tied to message, mm-hmm. meaning, lyric, storytelling, like you said, right? So and the space in what you say, like normally when someone says something pretty heavy, they don't just like da 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 blah, da 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 da, and mm-hmm. then keep keep plowing right through the thought. It's normally like, here's this heavy concept I'm laying on you. <sighs> yeah. And then I'm gonna move on. But there's almost that like inhale or exhale after something's been said, and then I th- I feel like they capture that in music pretty well. Um, because of the perspective that they're bringing. So it, I just, that to me, I would love to see more style. I mean, it's not meant to be in every style, obviously. Like you were saying, there's certain styles that it's just like, there's no, there's no space for this inhale. What well, are you talking yeah. about? And so on the flip side too, so one of the things that I think gets, there's a couple of genres of music that get categorized into uh, kind of a black and white for not a lot of space. And a lot of that would be, I feel like, faster jazz, Yep. Music and metal, especially like speed metal. Um, some of the slower metal nowadays has a lot of Although, open space. I don't know because even I think of um, so if you think of like like that that like really fast bebop improvisational stuff, a lot of times you'll, the the whole like into, the whole band will cut and then you'll hear a phrase cut, hear a phrase. So they just use space in a very different way, well, not yeah. as like a not in the poignant. Right. Reflective. So, right. So the biggest thing for those is actually the, the comper in the background is doing very little. If, if when Charlie Parker is going off, if you're doing anthropology, the piano player is ba ba ba. Right. And so he stopped. And then in contrast, I feel like for a lot of metal, a lot of that stuff comes in. You hear a lot of slow intros. 
outros, middle sections where it's just this clean, chimey guitar and the whole band drops out. So yep. you get these, you have these little moments inside really all genres that have these moments of space. And they're tough. It's not something that comes naturally to to music. I feel like, it's, once again, especially high-energy music, it's the flip side, the yang, if you will, is what makes it cool, but it doesn't come naturally. Yeah. I, I know this is something that I... And then, because the thing is with space, too, space without purpose sounds like space without purpose. Right. That's the tough part because then, then you're like you're in your own head. And no, you like, can hear people you know, counting. Yeah, like they're just waiting for the beat where they come in. <laughs> right, and that's no different than waiting to speak. Yeah, not because you have something, but like uh, I don't care about what's going on right now. I'm gonna say my. Th-. It's no different. And then when you're when you're improvising and you're using space because you feel like there's this rule that you're supposed to use space and if you don't use space then then it just sounds like you're being timid with your phrasing and then all this stuff can get in your head real fast about it yeah it's a deadly game don't Dude. play everything all the time <laughs> don't give yourself any front to screw up oh my god no but they so they do say that there is an interesting and um sort of slipping connection between between space or um, and they're actually even saying silence now and creativity. So it's interesting how that can influence your creative side when you're improvising and and just being creative on your own independently, whether you're trying to write or whatnot. Um, but there have been probably, I feel like um, since like the the... 90s when they started doing the whole music makes you wicked smart take music mm-hmm. in school and which by the way double bar thanks you for all those studies <laughs> have been so funded much. by you our <laughs> listeners <laughs> um but even even starting from then i think what they've found is the ability to have mental space right so and they talk about that with meditation and blah 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 but silence and like true silence breeds creativity um, and like non-responsive creativity. So internal creativity, which is different than than seeing something else and having it trigger a mm-hmm. response to somebody else's whatever it is. Um, and I think that does hold true if you can learn how to do that for soloing as well, right? To be able to take a breath and and pause the noise that comes out of you and also be able to have the space around you too, because I, I don't know. I feel like you must have been in the situation where you take a guitar solo, and no, I've never been everybody's there. <laughs> everybody's playing so much that it's sometimes hard to have yes. your space yeah. to solo, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Um, so to be able to have the emptiness, to be able to create, and have it be not just a response to the noise that's already in existence around you is huge. Um, and that goes for, that goes for just like blanket creativity. Right. So, so that's one of the things that's tough too. And that's an interesting thing to tap on my, the personality and the way I play guitar, although you can hire me anytime, nine, seven, eight, two. Um, but the way I play guitar in a natural setting is very much to the way I am. Like I'm going to 
try to be as aware as possible and try to be as much a team player. But I play guitar very similar than I am a, as a human. It's pretty high energy. It's pretty go-to. Knowing who you're around is really big. I don't always play well with a band that roars behind and drives. There are other guitar players we have uh, either here or that we know that play really well when there's busyness behind because mm -hmm. of the natural space they use. I don't function that well with it. On the flip side, nothing bothers me more than when I'm going, nothing, not nothing bothers me more. I really don't like it when I get the change on top of the bills when I go to get change back from places. The second thing that bothers me the most <laughs> is, um, is when I'm soloing and I'm with a band and every arc feels the same. Like people, once again, on the flip side of space, it's a mental game. It's not a natural thing. And so people become accustomed to it. And it's like, all right, well, we need to dip down for this solo. We need to dip down for that. And that's really tough too when space becomes a mental stigma of a game too. Uh, that it, Sometimes it feels like when I'll... When I'll sit in with a band or improvise every solo needs to start from the very bottom and then pick all the way up and right. it's like i had a great teacher um in college who was like how long's the solo run 60 measures cool get in get out and it's one of those things too where knowing the arc of of soloing or song you know singing a melody or anything too is is using the space not just in a long term i think space it's so great you came out of the gun talking about uh one beat or one measure because i think a lot of space gets thought of like the way I, I thought of in the very beginning in just this big abstract long sense right but space can be in like the small eight measure span too sometimes when you're improvising because people feel the need to dip all the way down because there's space and everything needs to have the same arc that can get quite frustrating too when you're when you're you have a band and they feel like Everybody says that there needs to be space. So there is. And that becomes the same thing as being too timid. Mm -hmm. And that can become a dangerous game as well. Yeah. And then I think um, sort of the the other thing is is confusing quiet, something that's quiet or mellow or um, sparse with silence because they are not, they do not function the same. And sometimes that's not understood. Um, because there's a difference between like play quietly and stop playing. Mm -hmm. And I think people have a much harder time hearing stop playing. As you said, well, stop, yeah, stop playing becomes I'll play quietly underneath. Look at me decorating. Right. Exactly. Yes, yeah. Exactly. It's that need to fill. It's that need to constantly fill. Mm -hmm. And, and it, you know, more is not always better, as they always say. And I think I, that was a stink eye if I ever <laughs> no, saw one. It, it's, it's all in character. But it is, <laughs> it is true that there is something. It's the same reason why, although I'm about to get the stink eye here back. It's the same reason why you can't have dessert for three meals a day. Oh, not anymore. <laughs> Rest <laughs> that in was peace, a stink dessert. eye. That was sadness. Oh, <laughs> but I do agree that something that has its moment can't be overused too much. Right, because it's very, it's anything that's too distinctive. Anything right. that's too distinctive can't suddenly be your go-to. It's like having the same, it's like having a great conversation with somebody and then you see them again and you have the same conversation. You try, yeah, you try, yeah, you try and bring and it you're up, just yeah. like, this doesn't have the same, this doesn't have the well, same it magic. it's honesty. Yeah. It loses its, it's, it's genuine, this came of this. Right. Um, 
Yeah, and I think that's when you'll end up seeing that's the one thing singer songwriters will get in trouble for. Like people will call them out of like, yeah, it's really cool, but you know, same tricks every song. Right. So it's the it's you hear this a lot, right? The same three chords. It's yep. the same three chords. It's the same three chords. Um, yeah, this is spaces is an interesting thing. I if you're listening, Dave, I'm sorry. I'm slightly hypocritical, but when I do this, it's really funny. Uh, I play out with a, a great instructor here, Dave Alves, um, and I've played out with a, a couple other people. And sometimes I'll, and I do this and I hate it, is I'll play a little bit during the quiet break in between the song. And there's nothing that kills it. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm giving such a look right now. Yeah, it's, it's awful. Uh, one of the things that trained me not to do that as much as possible. But when I do it, it's pretty funny. Like I'll do the bam, 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 bam after he tells a joke. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave, like, cause Dave tells a lot of puns. Uh, so I'm innocent here and that's great. And you can hire me nine, seven, eight, two. Uh, uh, <laughs> one of the things that taught me that, uh, and this is so funny is talk about space, bringing up this concept, uh, or, you know, in this context, I should say is playing and subbing in with wedding bands. Cause you don't got no time to play nothing because as soon as you finish Uptown Funk you have to start moves like Jagger like right now Yeah, and that in itself is an interesting concept of playing in those bands because there's no space not only in in between songs but in the way those musicians play Yes, wedding musicians will it's so funny they get stereotyped to be the Chuck E. Cheese musicians just stand and strum stand and, and those people can will will and can and everything chop the hell out of those songs and they're, I mean, they're all fantastic musicians. And when they do it, it has a purpose and a meaning. But talk about things that get stereotyped. They're like, oh, it's going to be a lot of space. I went in there being like, it's going to be a lot of space. It's going to be a lot of breathing. And it was like, no, nothing in between songs. And also, if you're underplaying, it's going to sound bad. We've got to sound like the recording and we're a seven piece. Well, okay. Know? So here's, because, right, the purpose of a wedding or a party band or whatever you want to, you know, the sort of corporate party event band mm -hmm. is most of the time their job is to have people pumped up, yep. pumped up, yeah, yeah. high energy, like keep them moving, keep them happy, keep them excited, keep them distracted, keep them everything. And that's, that's the end purpose of that. So, um, cause you know, one of the, one of the other beautiful symmetrical things about music and life, right. Is that, um, it's, the over overuse of stimulation. So you, you hear a lot nowadays of um, people frustrated that there's not gigs for full bands, large bands, right? Yep. Yeah. It's very frustrating. It's hard to get booked. And um, I was thinking a little bit about this because over this past summer, I had to make a decision to gig less. You know, double bars taking more and more time. And there's other things Thanks, that... Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> um and I had to, I had to cut back. And so it kind of got me thinking about, you know, just gigging in general and the expectations of the gigging and what, what, what you end up being hired for and what people ask for. And, and it got me thinking about, you know, our current day-to-day -day life that we live in. And it's, it's busy. It's noisy, right? Very. And especially, you know, owning a music store, it's extra noisy. Um, but the more I watch people, I'm a big people watcher. Um, 
they're always kind of like plugged in, right? So like headphones are on, it's always videos now, like before it used to be scrolling through and reading more, mm -hmm. but now people, it's like videos, music, it's like, it's a barrage of sound. And then even if you stop somewhere, uh, anywhere you walk into store-wise is music. If you pump your gas, it's music and ads. Like you are constantly receiving noise. Mm -hmm. And so... I find it interesting in the time where there's so much noise all the time floating. It's almost become like a white noise because it's just kind of the state of being that it's at that time that they're like, well, this is too loud. This is too loud. We don't want to hire a full band. We just want an acoustic performer. Yeah. They still want music, but they want quiet. It's, wall it's definitely significantly more wallpaper. And they want it. And I, so yeah. part of me, this, of course, led me down the rabbit hole of, like, interesting. And looking into, like, you know, the effects. Because there's some people who say that they can only concentrate with noise, right? Like, this is how I focus. This is how I get work done. But then you have people who are like, well, I can't with, mm -hmm. with any distraction. I just need to, like, put my head down. Um, and there's it's a very... There's all kinds of weird research that's been done, but um, silence plays a really interesting role in brain formation and like creative, creative function in the mind and just general like mental health. And so it's interesting to see how people respond to um, the constant the constant input, whether it's themselves playing, whether it's themselves listening and learning, whether it's what they do with their spare time in going out to what they choose to do for fun. Mm -hmm. um, it's just very interesting. So there's a couple moments that I think are, are real poignant because I feel like some super, this, uh, super low energy today. And sometimes I feel like low energy, Ryan, is medium energy. Everyone else, so when I get yelled at about this, but... A lot of what I do when I'm driving, I write a lot of lyrics or melodies along with with songs, and I do a lot of arranging for tunes that I'm writing currently or daydreaming. And a good chunk of my car, of my time is in the car as a working musician, and I don't play anything unless I'm learning stuff for a gig because I didn't have time, so I'm playing it in the car and looping right. it, or I'm playing a demo I recorded and looping it. But the majority of the time, I will just drive with no sound. Agreed. And just think and think. And when I have friends over, we don't really watch a lot of TV or do anything or play that many video games. We mostly just sit and talk or we'll go for walks, all of us, when it's nicer out, like late at night and talk and hang out. And sometimes, you know, that devolves into checking your phone. But when you're comfortable with people, you don't really take it personally. You're like... Cool. Everybody, if this is your safe haven and you need to breathe here, yeah. that, that is kind of your silence right now. Yeah. But a lot of my time spent is in you know, my rest time, my, my quiet time, is in people interactions or, or myself because so much of what we do as a career is sound-based and now video-based. There's, there's a lot of stimulation coming. Uh, and I never really thought about it too much until we were having this discussion right now. But yeah, uh, when I go hang out with my 
mother and father and my family. Like, yeah, there was a football game on and then it gets shut off and we talk for three and a half hours. Right. Or when you and I are after the shop, you know, there's a lot of time debriefing about Dole Bar and there's not music playing. It gets no. shut off very, very easy. Or, you know, when I'm home, I don't watch a lot of TV. I might scroll through my phone and then just kind of like sit there and chat with my roommate and laugh. Like a lot of my human social interactions, human interactions, because <laughs> uh, I'm not a robot. Uh, that's what, what a robot that? would say. <laughs> uh, but a lot of my, my interactions with people, I try not on, it must be subconsciously or unconsciously, uh, to have as minimal amount of stimulation as possible. Yeah, and I don't know if that's because I was screwed up as a child or something. Because I had a no. really loud, I had a really loud family growing up. I still do. Uh, so I value a lot of the time I can communicate. You know, and yeah. there is something yeah, yeah. to that. I think how you're raised definitely impacts the amount of content you take in. Um, yes. Yeah. Like uh, we talked about the last season, the um, ability to uh, handle information and lots of information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and make game time decisions. But what's interesting is, so one of the things that they tie to constant noise, and they actually did this, um, they did some research about this with white noise, like people who sleep Mm -hmm. with white noise and do things like that, um, is that it actually, or in very busy cities and very busy areas, it actually even though it might help you sleep in some ways, the the kind of sleep or the kind of um, sort of mental space you get if you're just on your own mm-hmm. is um, not as thorough yeah. and greatly decreases like anxiety, feelings of stress and anxiety and, um, and the whole nine yards, which if you're, if you're stressed and anxious or, you know, depressed if you lean in that inclination right your tendency to have ideas be creative be be forward thinking if you will of like oh this concept and then i'm gonna try and Mm -hmm. build something off of it that stuff tends to go away that stuff doesn't manifest anymore um and that's just a very that's an interesting thing because the world is so busy like and at, there's more people the places are more populated there's more everything so it's just interesting that we also see the culmination of high anxiety high stress high all of this stuff from mm-hmm. from this constant sort of barrage of noise if you never have that tipping balance like that's what creates balance in music right that's what creates balance in expression in art, you know, it's not just about what's there. It's about the negative space as well. And in life, if you have a constant barrage of sound, there's a sense of, like, meaninglessness and lack of yeah. context and lack of, lack of structure to the sound and and inability to differentiate what's sometimes important and what's not. And that's stress in and of itself. Yeah, so I daydreamed a lot as a kid. So the and I the idea of daydreaming I think is real important to everybody. Like yep. cuz when you daydream and you're just kind of drifting off, usually that's what makes your next decision. Yeah. And Artistically, life-wise. Life-wise, yeah. Where do I want to be in 5 years? Yep. What do I want to do? 
oh, you know what would be great? What if I went and visited blank? Or, you know what? I really should go apologize to someone. You know, like yep. you start, and it sucks. You know I'm a big advocate for technology. Yep. But I noticed little things. I've mentioned this to you before. Uh, when I wake up in the morning, if I check my phone, I will forget my dream. Yeah. And I dream yeah. a lot. And so there's little things like that where I don't, I don't daydream as much when I'm on my phone. Yeah. And it's important to do, there's a lot of stuff like I'm talking with, with people right now about gigs right before we came in. You need to be able to use your phone. You need to be able to communicate on all of those levels. It's not, it's not the phone that's the problem. It's no, the imbalance. It's, not. It's, it's the imbalance and it's how easy it is now right. to have access. Because before it was, it was like, hold on, let's go find the, ho- the home CD player, sit down around mm-hmm. the speakers and do our thing. But then it became easier to headphones in and just walk around with your Walkman, right, CD which is, player, which is, this, that. Which I, I envy for, for people now because it's like if you're going through something and you need to truck through, it's easier now than ever to distract yourself. And sometimes you really do need that. You mm-hmm. need to just put the headphones on and put your head down to get through a week, a month, a year. Mm-hmm. That's totally fair. Um, and the phone and technology itself is inherently not a problem. If it technology is just going to sit here. It's not going to take over the world. It's us using it that's going to do it. All of that being said, I try to carve out as much time as I can to be a daydreamer. Even if that stuff sometimes sends me on an anxiety spiral thinking about things that will never happen. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But, but it's important <laughs> to keep that tool as, you know, if you want to say for your creativity, being a creative, being an artist, fine. I think it's just for general human beings to like... The more you can keep in touch with that tool, that kind of gives you a sense of direction, a compass. It and does. then you have this for when, if things get bad or you need the distraction, it's easier now than ever. Use that as the tool that it's like, look, if I daydream right now, I'm going to put myself in a bad spiral. Like this is what classifies as overthinking. Right. This well, negative, you know. So then it's interesting to bring it back to music to then think that everything goes back to silence, mm-hmm. right? So like you've got a song that develops out of nothing and then you've got three to 15 minutes of noise. Mm -hmm. That's just going to come back to silence at some point, right? It all comes back to that rest. So it's like, it's just an, I find it very intriguing in the time of constant interruption and constant just sort of white noise that um, it's getting harder and harder to convey the importance of silence in music. Because I think it's so sparse everywhere else that it seems um, unimportant. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's an interesting concept. It's one that, like I said, space is is it space always seems to be the buzzword for when you don't like how somebody plays too. So yeah. as somebody who grew up playing a lot, because I loved heavy metal and playing a lot of notes and then getting in to a lot of other genres that also played a lot of notes, because when you play a lot, it also conveys the adrenaline, like the feeling of adrenaline and high energy. I really liked all that. Uh, space was always used as like a Oh, a they don't negative. know what to play. <laughs> right. And it, space to me in, in the guitar concept always meant that well, you need to use more space. You need to sound like sad bluesy dad rock or else it's not real you know yeah i always felt in in not in terms of music but it, just in terms of guitar playing well that doesn't convey emotion because it doesn't have the same space you know this is space and everything else does not classify you know right so as 
that one's always a fickle one to me because I think in my own head and as musicians that I've come in that kind of feel like me, I think it it can become a trapper where it's like, oh, the expectation, I need to use space, I need to, you know, and it becomes, it can become a pretty negative thing as well. Before we get off this subject, when you were studying uh, and when you need to study and do all that, or, you know, when you're doing bookkeeping, do you play music? 99% of the time, no. Yeah, I can't do it. I could never be one to study. No. And they actually say that anything with, uh, so as a singer, I'm tend to, I'm tend to draw towards songs with lyrics Mm -hmm. and I find any kind of lyrical, um, anything is going to distract me, especially when I was doing the English major work of like, I'm trying to read and then I'm trying to put in quotes and then I have someone yelling in my ears and I'm Mm -hmm. just like, no, this is a terrible idea. So generally silence, um, Although I could totally occasionally get behind some mellow Celtic music. Love me a tin whistle. Nice. <laughs> what about, and you not I at could, all? I could do very little. It's only in recent years that I'll put on uh, sports debate shows or sports broadcasting because it needs to be a hard pivot. It needs to be something I enjoy that when I tune in and out, I enjoy, but it needs to be a hard pivot yeah. from any sound. Because it's it's the same thing. I've trained myself. I got a great piece of paper hanging up on my parents' wall saying that, hey, he knows sounds. Um, he, so if if I hear something, my brain will go in. Yep. I have an interesting phenomenon. Or if it's the music I love, I don't dissect it. I never have. I'll learn it, but I don't dissect it. The music I passively like or any music that doesn't fall into the visceral love category, yeah. uh, I'll dissect it without thinking about it. And that does me no good. Yeah. And then I'm wait, listening, waiting to dissect, and that's just that's just a bad news bears right there. So, but even with sports debate, silence is like silence wins. Yeah. Yep. I feel the same way. Uh, so what yeah. I I think I'm gonna do? I found some interesting articles on um, that reference some other research and this and that. So if you are interested in learning more about the rest. You can Google it yourself. You can Google it yourself, or you can actually check out any of the links that I'll throw up in this description. Perfect. And enjoy it. Welcome back to Vaguely Music. All right. Well, for for season two of our Strumpfler Surprise, I thought I would throw in and I would torture Kelsey over here because she is not having sugar right now mm-hmm. with what is, was... <laughs> your favorite candy bar uh oh it was changed over the life and it's changed to nothing yeah well yeah recently it's changed to nothing mm, maybe a snickers it used to be a milky way but then that was just not enough crunch okay so i graduated to the snickers <laughs> yes. yeah how about you <laughs> uh hershey's cookies and cream that's the go-to Ooh. All right. What is it with people and white chocolate? No, I love white chocolate. You'll hear about it on the next episode (laughs) of Vaguely Music. Bye-bye.